0: Uh, Good morning, everyone, and uh, that's really a second good morning for those who are joining us live, so if you wondered, is he repeating himself, the answer is yes. I want to continue on our message today that uh, really gets into embracing the mystery of the Holy Spirit and being comfortable in that role. I, I don't want to gloss over the fact that probably the most dividing thing In the entire church since Jesus has been the Holy Spirit. Many churches have split over the Holy Spirit. Uh, There is entire uh, levels of doctrine created for and against and about the Holy Spirit. There are uh, entire denominations that were created around a specific view of the Holy Spirit. And then there are entire denominations that were created that split off from that denomination that had a different view of the Holy Spirit. And so here's, here's the challenge for the church, and I'll say especially the Western church. Without getting comfortable with our understanding of the Holy Spirit, without Having the opportunity and the ability to encounter and engage the Holy Spirit, the church will forever be a sidelined people. They will not be able to do the things of God. They will not do the things of God. Yes, we will exist. We will be a remnant. We will do good things around the planet. We will also do atrocities around the planet. We will do lots of things. But what we will not do... It's do what the, what the Father is doing. That won't be what we accomplish because the Scripture is going to tell you that in order to do that, you're going to have to walk it out with him. So my, my encouragement in this series and in talking to each of us is that we, we're going to have to wrestle with this truth and, and to not have very much information on it, to not have a view on it, um, if somebody mentions speaking in tongues and you kind of bristle and you don't really know and that seems weird, I'm just telling you, you need to go there. Whether you speak in tongues or not, I do not care. What I want you to do is that is a part of the heritage of every believer and you cannot get around it. And anybody that has a theology that dismisses it is lying to you. So it's a reality. I'm I'm not here uh, telling you that, uh, in fact, this message is not about speaking in tongues, but it is about the reality that every believer was called to hear the Spirit, to walk with the Spirit, to be able to engage the Spirit for the things of God, and that's what will cause you to be supernatural, no matter how simple and plain that looks. And encountering the Spirit and getting comfortable with the Spirit is what allows the people of God to be effective in the moment. That's just, that's just the truth. And so uh, for those of us who, who haven't gone there, don't want to go there, um, it's too bad. That is your journey to walk with God, is encountering and engaging the Holy Spirit. What I shared with you is just a couple of points. Um, The the Spirit led the first century people, the apostles, the disciples, to do unexplainable things. And they lived in a culture where they did not make sense. They could love their enemies. They could die at the hands of lions. They could, hands, claws, teeth of lions. They they could walk out this life somehow. And it was not explainable. And it was counter to the culture. And ultimately, that is what spread the reality of God. It was people who were different. Much of the church is working hard to be like the culture right now. So we can be cool. We're not condemning. We're not judgmental. But I, I, don't, think, uh, I don't think we're ever going to phase the world like that. And I think what we reach for is rules because they're easier. You're wrong. You're wrong. That's a sin. God's not blessing you because of that. And ultimately, I believe we often believe God isn't blessing me because I'm this or I'm not this or I haven't done that. We can find all these reasons why our life, too, falls short of something we would like to see. But that's not scriptural. You see, what allows our lives to be effective and renewed and changed is the Spirit working in you to be different in you. That's what allows the world around you to be blessed. And so the Spirit empowers, calls out, and changes us in our purpose, in our qualification, and in our equipping. That's what the Spirit does. You can put it another way. Without the Spirit... You won't be able to understand and walk out your purpose. You won't be qualified, and you certainly won't be equipped. So you will not fulfill the purpose for which you were created. Right now, the church in the West is shrinking greatly. It's never spent more money and been more passionate about justice and about right and wrong and values. And what we see is the world... The church is actually, there's great division that's happening. Those that are taking a liberal stance on everything uh, so that they're not judgmental. And those that are hunkering down in these biblical beliefs, holding on to the moral code, and they're going forward, you know, damn the torpedoes, full speed ahead. Yes, I said that word. But you see, Scripture doesn't really describe either one of those as God doing what He does in the world. Those just create new faces to the problem that the world faces. I shared with you last week out of First Corinthians, chapter five, verse seventeen and on, if. Anyone is in Christ. If you are in Christ, it calls you a new creation. There's something new about you. Now, for most of us, the day we accepted Christ, if you've done that, I don't know, maybe your hair changed color. Maybe you lost 10 pounds. Maybe you, you know, got a six pack all of a sudden. Maybe some of these things happened to you. But most of us, those physical attributes really didn't move that much. So how are you new? How are you different What the scripture would say is you have become different inside. And what is different inside, same heart, same person, same history, same background, same struggle, same sin, same crime, same weaknesses, same temptations. It's you. But there's something incredibly different about you and I and the promises that in that moment, the spirit comes to live in you. And it has the power to touch and change all of those aspects of who we are. You see, so the enemy, the potential of there, the enemy loses the power to use the injustices I've experienced to hold them against people that remind me of those things. It comes into my life, and my weaknesses and my struggles have now been tra- tempered and transformed so that now God is going to use them for good. And we can recite the words of Joseph from the Old Testament. What you meant for evil, God is turning into good. Why? Because I am new. What has made you new? There is a new boss inside me. And that boss is wise and smart and knows everything and is connected directly to God. I'm mainlining right now. And that's what makes it all different in me. So you see, in the first century, when they put them in the lion's den, it didn't change them. When they tortured them, it didn't change them. When they killed their children, it didn't change them. There was something inside that was invincible. When you listen to the Coptic Christians in Egypt right now that are being destroyed and beheaded and and persecuted and their buildings being burned down, but you see, it's not affecting them. And the, and the Islamic people that have been destroying them, tearing them down, you know what they said? These people are the hardest people I've ever seen. They won't break. We can't break them. Isn't that great? You can break me, but you can't break me. Why? Because there's something new in here, and it's not breakable. This is the God that you and I can hear. This is the God that you and I have been called to represent. And that's what that scripture goes on to say. We have been redeemed. We have been reconciled. We are now connected with God through the Spirit. Is the AC on? Thank you, Jesus. Aren't you loving the AC? See, we are returning to joy right now experiencing the heat of this room. But it says, in this moment that we are reconciled, we are given the ministry of reconciliation. Now I'm given the service of, you have the service of reconciling others. Do you realize how important that is? Do you realize your identity is tied up in that now? That's a part of who you are. You're reconciling the world. You're reconciling everybody around you. The loud person that's sitting next to you at the restaurant, you think, you know, they're actually not even next to you. They're four tables over, and they're the only person you can hear in the room. And you really want to go over and say, dude, do you know how loud you are? That's code for, dude, you're really annoying me. And I don't want you to annoy me. This is about me. You see, what the Spirit does It's interrupted that flow of myself being absorbed with myself and say, yes, but you hear him. I want you to know that, Bill. You hear him. What does that mean? I brought him to your attention, Billy. Four tables over. You wouldn't even know about him. But you hear him. Let's go to work. Oh, we're on assignment. That's what's going on. The spirit is now speaking to me about the loud guy. I must need to pray for him. Do I need to go over there? Do I need to intercede? What's going on? I can hear the Lord. I can hear the Lord. And it often starts with my complaints about somebody. That's where it begins. And the Lord says, that's because you're a new creation. That's what makes you different. He's given us the ministry of reconciliation. What is that message that we have? The message of reconciliation. What does it sound like? It sounds like this. He has reconciled the world to himself, not counting people's sins against them. That's your message. You want to know what your message is? There it is, right there. Doesn't have anything to do with same-sex marriage. Doesn't have to do with abortion. Doesn't have to do with lying, cheating, stealing. Who's a Muslim? Who's a Hindu? It's that God has a plan. And that is his desire to reconcile the world and to not count their sins against them. How hard is that? You see, he didn't, he didn't make you and I the keeper of the moral code. He didn't make us hold up a standard for human behavior. I'm holding up the standards and the values of God. I don't want the world to forget them. God doesn't even hold those up. If He did, I would die. What He wants you to hold up is that in adversity, you find His joy. In your struggles, in your pain, you experience His presence. See, the world is looking for people who have a real God that operates in real lives, in real time. That's what the Spirit allows, and only the Spirit allows that. The Bible will never pull that off for you, but the Spirit will. That's why Jesus said, wait for the Spirit. You've walked with me three years. You've seen what I do. You've done what I do. Now I'm here to tell you you're not ready. You've got everything it takes for you to go out there and be a total disaster. You have knowledge, you have experience, you have background, you have some faith. Yep, that'll do right there. You can totally mess up everything we've done since I've been here with what you have. Wait. Really, wait? Yep, wait. You want us to not talk to, no, don't talk to anybody. Just talk to me. You're not safe. You will screw this up. Okay. So for 10 days they prayed. That's safe, isn't it? Talk to God. I can, say, I can even say wrong things to God, can't I? And then it came. The one that was promised. He talked about the Holy Spirit would come. I would leave. The Holy Spirit would come. You're going to need that. I want you to hear that, church. You need the Holy Spirit. Don't act like, I don't understand it. It's a little weird to me, blah, blah, blah. I don't don't know what to tell you. Jesus doesn't want you to go out there without acknowledging and having it and operating. I'm just going to list a few things. I have the scriptures for these, but I'm not going to go into them. This is the names and the offices of the positions of the Holy Spirit. The author of scripture, the comforter, the counselor, the advocate, the convictor of sin, the deposit, the down payment, the seal. He's the guide. He is the indweller of believers. He is the intercessor. He is the revealer. He is the spirit of God. He is the truth. He is the spirit of life. He is the teacher and he is the witness. You really want to give that up? You really want to go out there without any of that working for you? I got my Bible. I got John three 16. I'm ready to go. You know, when I first became a Christian and I had my Bible and I was studying it night and day. And, and uh, I, have a, I have a little brother who's, you know, it's different. And uh, and he was uh, he was always arguing with my parents. Another way, my parents were always arguing with him. So I, I kind of challenged my parents, you know, to take a take a higher road with my brother. I had this you know lecture. is what it really was. I'm I am lecturing my parents on behavior. I'm 17, new believer very confident in my God, and about five minutes after this, my brother walks in, and somehow we, he and I got in this big fight, <laughs> and we're in the kitchen. My parents are sitting right there at the table. We're in this big fight, and I, I get so angry. I'm opening the oven, and I'm so angry, I rip the door off of the oven. True story. I mean, it's just dangling in my hands. It's completely off of the oven. It's dangling in my hands. My brother's over there. My parents are sitting at the table right there. And I looked over this way, and all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit, the convictor, was at work. And I could see the eyes of my parents, and I went, oh. You see, you see, we want the Spirit to operate. Before the convicting of sin. <laughs> and the Spirit was there then. But see, I didn't need the Spirit. I already knew it all, didn't I? Because I had the Bible. And I could read it and quote it to people. I could judge people by it. I could look and go, you're not keeping up with the Bible, are you? What you could say now is, of course they're not. Because it takes the Spirit to really keep the Bible. It takes the Spirit. If you're worried about people's moral code, then what you really need to know is you're concerned about their connection with the Spirit, not their behavior. You're concerned about how they can connect with the Spirit. You see, that's why your message is about forgiveness of sin and connecting to the Father. Because you see, therein lies the path to the Spirit. And the Spirit can bring conviction about behavior But if I bring you conviction about behavior, I'm just a jerk. (laughs) And that's probably true on some level. The inauguration of the Spirit, it says, on that day of Pentecost, the believers were together in one place. Suddenly this sound from heaven like a roaring mighty windstorm and it filled the house where they were sitting And these flames uh, uh, of tongues uh, appeared over them and settled on them. Everybody was filled with the Holy Spirit. They began to speak in other languages. Of course, who's in charge here? It's a question. The Spirit is in charge. The Spirit picks the moment, pick the time. Well, it happened to be Pentecost, and that's the day when all these other people are around. And so you hear these people that are watching this going on, and they're speaking in languages they understand, but they know these people speaking should not understand. And it creates this, like, what is going on? How can this be? These people are all from Galilee, and yet I hear them speaking our own native language. Parthians, Medans, Elamites, you know, all these people, just it's a whole list of them. And of course, there's always some. Anytime the Spirit shows up, there's two things that are going to happen there's going to be, well, three. There's going to be risk taken. There's going to be power exhibited, and there's going to be people critical. Those three are going to happen. If the people, <clears throat> if you, if the people aren't critical, wait for it. It'll get there. Somebody will find something critical to say. It reminds me of when Houston went to uh, Houston Rockets went to the. National championship and Akeem Elijah won. You know, I don't know, shot like 10 of 10. Uh, And the announcer who was from New York said, Well, they were hitting the metal and clanging all over the place. If it were horse, that wouldn't have counted. What? Who's playing horse? This is a national championship. Two is two. And they won. Clang all day long. How many of you would take a clanger any time? it goes in, let it clang. Hit the metal till Jesus comes. Just go through the center, we're good. How many of you struggled to even clang at all, even on the outside? There you go. <laughs> Clanging on the inside. Finding the critical point. There you go. Some were critical. Others ridiculed and said they're drunk. That's when Peter steps up and says, It's only nine in the morning. These people are not drunk. But this was predicted long ago. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons, your daughters will prophesy. Your men will see visions. Older men will dream dreams. In those days, I will pour out my spirit, even on my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. Down in verse 21 it says, And everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Now I want you to hear this. What it says is, The young, the old, male, female, everybody who serves him, who walks with him, everyone, his spirit will pour out upon them. And it will cause things to happen. It will be in play. So he goes on. And here's how this sermon goes. Number one, he records that there will be a time my spirit is going to pour out on everyone that has happened today. Number two, it says that God authenticated Jesus with signs and wonders. He said, Jesus, I will prove he is my son. And through the resurrection, he proved that Jesus was not only king, but he was Messiah. We're still in the message of Peter. It's not a very long message. And then it says, Peter's words pierced their hearts. Who did that? The Spirit. The Spirit. Was it Peter's words? No, it was the Spirit. How do we know that? Because when we challenge people, unless the Spirit is in it, it's not going to produce. Here they're saying, it pierced their hearts. What should we do? What do we do? I want you to hear Peter's answer. Peter replied, Each of you must repent of your sins, turn to God. There's the turn to God. Be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for your forgiveness of sins. And then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You will need the Holy Spirit to be the people that His Spirit has poured out upon In fact, Jesus says, you will do greater things than I've done because I'm going to the Father, I'm sending the Spirit. If you're not comfortable with this, I want you to know it's your heritage and you have to get there. When Betty gets up and talks about the risk and she calls people up for healing who have unhealable things, That's what the people of God do. That's what we do. We listen, and then we act. And we get comfortable with that, even when it's uncomfortable. You see, when we start doing that in the world, it starts changing the world. But it's a risk. I shared with this, I think it's been a good while back, We were in Mexico a good many years ago. We had a bus and a trailer. And I have gotten the bus and the trailer stuck in the mud in the middle of nowhere in Mexico. It's not like you call a wrecker service. Uh, You know, it's not easy to get a, a school bus and a trailer out of the mud. We were back in that same colonia. We're about four miles off any kind of paved road, in the middle of nowhere. And there was a tropical storm that had come through, and the soil in this area turns into, I don't know, almost a foam. I mean, it's not from this world, whatever it is. <laughs> um, this stuff's creepy and slick, and I mean, it looks like it has to be from a toxic waste facility. But we're in the middle of, uh, of this tropical storm, and I'm remembering being stuck so, we had a group with us that had a Jeep, and so we sent them in to the colonia, four miles back into this colonia, to scout it out. Should we try it? Should we risk it? We're back in town in Nuevo Laredo. They come back. We barely got out. There's no way we can get that big school bus and trailer in there. No way. I said, okay. I had my leaders all standing here or being wise. I have a bunch of children on board in a foreign country. Parents take dim view of my risk-taking. Don't know why. And so about this time, there's this uh, one of our teens. He's probably 15. He's a red-headed guy, about that tall. And he wa- he's still that tall. Um, he walks up into our group of people And he says, uh, I think the Lord wants us to go. That's what I, I feel like the Lord is saying. So I look at him. I said, are you telling me, are you telling me the Lord is saying we're supposed to go in? He looks me right in the eyes and says, yes. I'm looking at my leaders, and they're doing this. (laughs) Because they're wise, right? Because they're wise. Because they got a few more years than our young Mr. Maxton. So I asked them the question, are any of you actually hearing from God? Any of you? Are any of you getting a no from God? Nobody. That's the best of man's wisdom at the table. Good stuff. But it won't change the world. It won't touch the world at all. I said, if that's the case, so I look back to him, you're hearing from God. Yes, and we're going in. It was almost dry. It was almost dry. It was crazy, and the people in the Jeep feel stupid. It's not their fault. It wasn't about their counsel was bad. They reported what they saw. It's about what the Father was doing and teaching us to listen and take risk with him because that's what affects the world. That's the world's waiting for people who actually have a God who speaks. I mean, we, we could. this is why people with, with uh, idols, I mean, if we just have a philosophical God, it's not different than an idol. It's not different than some bronze thing we have on a, on a mantle that we speak to. Do you have a God that speaks back? Can you hear him? That's the only way we can be ambassadors. Acts 19, starting with verse 7. It says, uh, I mean, sorry, starting with verse 1 through verse 7. While Apollos was uh, at Corinth, Paul took, a ro- took the road through the interior and arrives at Ephesus. There he found some disciples. Verse 2, interesting. Here was this question to him. He found disciples. He says, D- did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Let me ask you a question. Have you ever asked anybody that question? When, when, I mean, did you receive the Spirit? Do you have the Spirit? Are you operating the Spirit? Is the Spirit, are you aware the Spirit is in you, can lead you and guide you? Are you connected? Do you know what's going on? You see, it's the question of first priority. Their answer. No, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. That's often the case. People don't have any idea. I'm talking about Christian church-going people. They don't really have a framework on it. So Paul asked, then what baptism did you receive? And they said, John's baptism. That was a baptism of turning away from sin and turning to God. Paul said, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told them to believe in the one coming after him. That's what John said. That is, in Jesus. And on hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. When Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in tongues, and they prophesied. And there was about 12 men in all. This is, this is our heritage. And it's an integral part of all that you are called to be and do. All of us. The rest of our gifts, the rest of those things will matter very little. Without the spirit to lead and guide you in the very moment. I want to say hello to my big little sister because uh, she might be watching. Hi, Susie. My sister, uh, also different. Uh, if you meet her, you never forget her. She's Four foot ten, uh, rarely stops speaking, a phenomenal person. But what I found out recently about her is she said Jesus healed her hands. My sister had very bad arthritis in her hands, debilitating arthritis where she struggled to drive. And she said, Jesus reached down and straightened each of her fingers. I have never had a religious conversation with my sister in my life. Never. And all of a sudden, she's talking about Jesus straightening her fingers and healing her fingers. And my sister is completely different. My sister just had a massive stroke. She was in a hospital in Austin. When I first talked to her, she was in the emergency room. It's the swelling really went crazy. And she said, would you come and tell Jesus to heal me? And I said, yes, I would. And I did. You see, and when I went to pray for her, I said, Jesus loves you. And my sister looks up and through the right side of her mouth said, and I love Jesus. She talks about Jesus constantly. She has the night nurse reading the Bible to her and singing to her every night. You know why? Because she's been changed. And because of that, she's changing people around her. Now I'll tell you, I talked to Some uh, believers, gone to church all their life, older than I am. I said, so, I said, you know, a lot of people are made uncomfortable by my sister's story. Jesus healed her fingers, healed her hands. They don't know what to do with that. And these people said, we don't know what to do with that. We don't know where to put it. You know, great, but what does it mean? Where did it come from? Did it really happen or how did it happen? It makes no sense. We've never seen it before. Whatever the language may be, do you hear the difference? Do you hear the church is just really uncomfortable with the supernatural God who operates and acts in the lives of believers for the good of the world? We're just uncomfortable with that. It's being uncomfortable with who we are. that we're called to be supernatural people. And that you won't understand it all. And if you wait till you understand it all, you will die not fulfilling the purpose for which you were created. You will die short of that. So my challenge... It's actually a scripture I felt like really sticking out to me. Somewhere Luke 24:49 I'm going to send what my father has promised the Holy Spirit. But stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. Are you comfortable in your clothing? Most of us aren't. I think the church is at a real crossroad. All churches. God's church. We're going to be those who continue on in the mystery of it's weird, we don't know. We don't go to weirdness. We stay where it's safe, a biblical understanding of morality and life and those things. And I believe that church will, is already irrelevant and will go away. But God is raising up a people who will step in to the garments of power that they were created to walk in. If you would stand